in in Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three and um, and verse thirteen. Amen. Galatians three and thirteen. Praise God. Um, I know that uh, some of you are new to this study. Some of you have been uh, a part of this study, engaged in this study now for some weeks. And so I appreciate those of you who have been a part of it, uh, being patient with me while I bring us all up to speed. Remember, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Uh, Not faith by having heard, but faith by hearing. Amen. And hearing, and hearing, and hearing. Amen. And I don't know about you, but in my life, there, there have been times, verses that I've, I committed to memory in my teenage years. And, and now all of a sudden in my 50s, they're coming alive to me like, like never before. So um, the Word of God is living and powerful. So every time, even if it's the same verses, every time that we you know, allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on those verses and breathe those verses into our hearts, He'll breathe fresh life uh, into us because of them. Amen. Praise God. Now, I'll tell you what, let's... Um, thank you, Jesus. There's a lot that I want to get to tonight. Um, let's, I'll tell you what, let's begin... At verse 10. Let's back up to verse 10. Um, so Galatians 3 and 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Now, what he's talking about here, again, as I said this morning, my, my uh, assignment... Uh, before you tonight is to read the verses and then make the sense. And, and what the Bible means by making the sense is to explain them in a way that, um, that you can understand them and not just understand them to be able to, to tell somebody else or talk about it intelligently, but that you can understand it on a level that you're able to apply it to your life. And, and what he's talking about here um, is, is you know, two fundamental approaches uh, to, to life and, and to living for God. Um, one is an outward approach of trying to conform ourselves to uh, the commandments, to the law, and, and, and you know, trying to be good enough before God so that He owes us uh, or we've somehow earned, because of our good works, uh, a blessing from Him, uh, favor from Him. Now, on the surface, you know, this sounds like, well, who does that anymore, Pastor Mark? Most of the body of Christ. Uh, does this, has this approach, has this mindset. We've been indoctrinated into, our minds have been conditioned by a works-based, performance-based, you know, world system. And, uh, you know, I mean, hopefully, if, you know, you're going to be getting performance raises, you know, on your jobs. And, and, you know, the the world's system works on what have you done for me lately. And, And we've been indoctrinated into that. We've been conditioned by that. Our minds tend to work that way. God's kingdom is, is counterintuitive to that. Um, it's, it's not about performance and works. It's about faith. It's, it's about what you believe. Amen. And so we use this morning the example of, of, of being protected, supernatural divine protection for you and for your family and for your loved ones. And, and we looked at where, where Jesus went to, uh, to correct a wrong understanding of this in Luke chapter 13. I'm not going to try to reteach all that, but, but what he's saying here is those who believe that because they're being good that God owes them something are actually you know, submitting themselves to a system that's, that's exposing them, making them vulnerable to the curse that's in the world. 
Because again, the only way the performance-based, works-based system, uh, that approach uh, will help you is if you never make a mistake, if you never commit a sin. Well, unfortunately, none of us are there yet. So if you offend, the Bible says if you break one commandment, you're guilty of, of how many? Guilty of all of them. And so that's the part that I think sometimes we leave out. And that's what he's talking about. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book. But no one is justified. That word justified means to be made just, to be made right, um, to be made innocent um, in the, uh, by the law in the sight of God. And he said this is evident for the Bible teaches us that the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. And so another way we can look at this, these two fundamental approaches, um, one would correspond to our outward man, our flesh, performance, works-based approach. The other, of course, is faith. Uh, faith is a spiritual substance. It corresponds with the inward man. And this is trusting and believing God um, and not putting our confidence in our self-righteousness, but putting our faith and confidence in what, what Jesus has done for us and what he has made us and who we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he says, the just shall live by faith. Remember that word just. That word just, it's, it's referring to someone who's been made innocent. Um, someone who was guilty, but has now been uh, redeemed. Um, someone who has been justified um, and, and, of course, this is a key word. So let's, let's go now to the first verses that we mentioned. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, let me, again, in the interest of making the sense tonight, all right, our faith in Jesus and in what he has done for us has produced a tremendous result in our lives. Um, we are now in Christ Jesus, and because we are in Christ Jesus, we have been made right. We have been made a new creation. The Bible says the old man that we were before uh, was buried in an unmarked grave and that we were raised up together with Jesus to newness of life and that we have been made innocent. We have been made just, okay? Now, let me, let me ask you a simple question tonight. And don't, don't overthink this because it really is this simple, okay? Does an innocent man deserve to be punished? No, it's not a trick question. An innocent man does not deserve to be punished. As a matter of fact, if, if you ever see some of these documentaries and, and things on television, you know, where our legal system got it horribly wrong and um, you know you see people behind bars for crimes that they didn't commit um, I think that strikes a chord somewhere deep within all of us does it not uh, some, someone you know locked up for decades of their life uh, you know falsely accused you know again they were innocent but found guilty anyway convicted and, and sentenced to some long prison term right so the bottom line is, an, an innocent man, an innocent man does not deserve to be punished. Now, a guilty man, come on now, a guilty man, on the other hand, um, he, he deserves. That's, that's what the thief on the cross said to the uh, other thief on the cross. Remember that the one thief joined in, 
and was making fun of Jesus with all the religious leaders. And that one guy said, hold on a second, dude. We, we deserve what we're getting, man. We, we, we did the crime, and now we're doing the time, and we're paying with our lives. And that was the law, and we, and we broke it, and we deserve this. But, but Jesus, this guy between us here, he, he doesn't deserve what's happening to him. So again, if we're guilty then, um, we deserve it. We, we could say it this way, right? And, and I'm sure we've probably all either said these words or thought it before. It's like, well, you know, I had that coming. Do you understand the concept of I had that coming? Yes? How about this one? How about this one? I made my bed. Now I've got to lay in it, right? See, again, I made my bed now. You made your bed, now you got to lay in it, right? Now, you, you, you had that coming, man. You, you've you've uh, cheated and you've lied and you've this and you've that. And it's finally caught up with you. And, and so, you know, we, we see these things as things that we deserve, okay? But remember now, we've established a baseline that while a guilty man deserves to be punished, let's say it another way, a guilty man deserves to be cursed and, and, and deserves whatever, uh, you know, consequences that that, that that guilty man or woman has uh, because of what they've done. But an innocent man doesn't, doesn't deserve punishment. An innocent man doesn't deserve to be cursed. But an innocent man, a man who's only done right, instead of being cursed, that man or woman should what? They should be blessed. They should be rewarded. Come on now. They, they should be promoted. They should be prospered. They should have the finest of everything. Am I right about this? Okay. So let's go back then to... Um, you made your bed, and now you have to lay in it. Okay? When the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, again, in the interest of making the sense tonight, what he's saying there is, you made your bed, but somebody else laid in it for you. Right? Amen. You made your bed... But somebody else took the consequences for your actions, okay? How about this, right? Man, I had that one coming. Well, yes, except for Jesus took for you what you had coming. He took for me what I had coming. Not in part. He didn't just like lay in our bed for us, right? Psalm 139 says if you make your bed in hell, Old Testament, if you make your bed in hell, He will be in that hell where you are trying to rescue you from that hell. But the New Testament is we made our bed in hell, Jesus went to hell for us and laid in our bed in hell so we wouldn't have to go to hell. Amen. And He has made you innocent. So you say, well, you know, the Bible says you reap what you sow, Pastor Mark. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, it says God is not mocked. If you think you're the exception, you're deceiving yourself. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. And you say, well, I've sowed some really bad seeds. Except for, you forgetting this, Jesus reaped the consequences of the seeds, the bad seeds that you sowed. You see, yes... A man reaps what he sows unless another man reaps it for him. And Jesus reaped the death and hell that we deserved. He reaped it for us. He reaped the consequences. He reaped the curse. 
for us. He reaped poverty for us. He reaped confusion for us. He reaped sickness and disease for us. He reaped mental illness for us. He, he reaped emotional distress and disease and disorder for us. We planted the bad seeds. We had the bad harvest coming. Jesus stepped in front of you and took the consequences. He took the bullet for you and made you innocent. My friend, I stand before you tonight an innocent man. Not because I've done everything right, but because the one who made me innocent did everything right. And He gave me His righteousness. He gave me His rightness. He gave me His right standing with God the Father as a free gift. You see, I have been made, and if you've been born again, you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now you've got to understand what that means. Because the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is not someone who sinned but was forgiven. Remember, Jesus never sinned. As a man, 33 years on planet earth, he never committed a single sin. And he gave you that righteousness as a gift, which means not only are you innocent, are you hearing me tonight? When Father sees you, He sees you not as someone who was once guilty and is now innocent, but He sees you as someone who's always been innocent, someone who has never sinned. Amen. Now in case you're wondering, I'm talking about you tonight. I'm talking about you. The ones who've been justified, the just, the ones who've been declared innocent, right? How do we live? Do we live by works? No, no, no. Is our innocence based upon anything we've done? Is it based upon our good works? No, no, no. See, again, what happens when, when we try to you know, slip back over into that old system thinking that now we've got to somehow try to, to improve upon or make better or maintain by our performance and, and, and our self-righteousness. See, we pull ourselves out of faith into works again, which now again exposes us to uh, the, the curse that Jesus has already become for us. I like to say it this way. The, the only way this... this not only balances the scales of justice, you understand scales of justice, right? In other words, we were, we were in the negative. We were, we were in a heap of trouble. And then Jesus stepped on the scales, and he didn't just balance them. This is important now. He didn't just balance them. He has completely tipped them in your favor. completely tipped them in your favor. So do you see why it's... In other words, when we try to add to what He's already done for us without realizing it, what we're saying is that what Jesus has done for me 
and the righteousness that He has given me is not enough. That somehow it can be improved. It can be improved upon. Somehow I can actually make it better, and therefore make myself even more qualified to be blessed. My friend, again, that is that is a, a, a denial of and a rejection of what Jesus has offered for you, done for you, and offered to you. Am I going too fast? Some of you look a little bit distracted. Praise God. Man, I, I want you to get this. One of the things that, 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 that always concerns me when I'm preaching is I know that there are people that, that are present in the room that, you know, you've been looking for the answers that are coming out of my mouth your whole life and, and, you're, and you're thinking about what you're going to do next week and you're missing it. Please don't miss it. Please don't miss what Father's trying to say to you tonight. Please don't miss the understanding that He's trying to give to you tonight. So if I've been made innocent, not by my works, but by Jesus' works, and I've been made innocent by my faith in Jesus, by believing in Jesus, amen, then this means I now, and I know that I always caution you to be careful of using this word, but I'm going to use it, so stay with me, all right? As one who has now been made innocent... I don't deserve curse anymore. I don't deserve punishment anymore. I don't live my life with a fearful looking for judgment anymore. Amen. As one who has been made innocent by the blood of Jesus because of my faith in Him, not because of my self-righteousness, not because I've tried so hard to be good, but because of my faith in Jesus, I have been made innocent, innocent as one who has never sinned. Then guess what? The blessing, I now qualify to be blessed. I now qualify to live a life of blessing. This is why, amen, once Jesus became a curse for me, He came under that curse with me, He lifted it off of me, He carried it away from me, I am no longer cursed, and now He has made me qualified to be blessed. To be blessed. And my brothers, my sisters, I am blessed. I'm just telling you. And you are blessed. You are blessed. All right, let's go now to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 4 and 17. We'll probably finish right there tonight. I've covered some of this list before, but I want to go back through it again tonight. Maybe include some we haven't included in the past, all right? So, some simple questions Do you believe you were saved? Amen. Okay. What is your belief that you were saved based upon? This is important now. Thank you, sir. That's the perfect answer. Because for years, I made the mistake of trying to base my belief on my feelings and my behavior. Been saved for a long time. Thank you, Jesus. Been a lot of Monday mornings that I've gotten out of bed and I didn't feel saved but I still was and I wish I could tell you otherwise but it wouldn't be honest I mean, it wouldn't be the truth I haven't always behaved like a saved man but my belief in my salvation is not based upon my feelings or my behavior again 
It's based upon what Jesus has done for me. Okay? All right? So now let me ask you this. Do, do you believe then that you are free from the bondage of sin? <laughs> that sin has no dominion over you? It has no rule over you? Let me, let me make it plain, all right? That the grip sin once had on you has been broken. That you're just as free to lift your hands and worship God as you are free to go rob the convenience store. Amen. Just as free. I am free from the bondage of sin. And so again, what is my belief that I'm free? What is your belief that you're free from the bondage of sin based upon? Not me still being tempted by it. Can you be free from the bondage of sin and still be tempted by sin? Yeah, absolutely right. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean it, it, it owns you. It doesn't mean it rules you. See, that's what the devil wants. The devil tries to tell you, ah, if you were free, if you were really free, you wouldn't want to do that anymore. Well, see, I still got a flesh that wants to do some stupid stuff. But it doesn't mean sin rules me. All right, so again, do you believe you're righteous? What is your belief that you're righteous based upon? Because remember, your behavior, this is the part, I'm going to put this on the, I'm going to put this on the screen, all right? Your behavior will always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself. So do you believe that you're righteous? So what is that righteousness? What is that belief based upon? Not your behavior. See, the devil wants you to look at your behavior that may not always reflect righteousness and tell you based upon your behavior, see, you're not righteous. If you were righteous, you wouldn't do those things. If you were free from sin, you wouldn't want to do those things. This is, this is how the devil tries to manipulate our thinking. But your behavior, remember, will always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself. And sadly, most people look to their behavior to determine what they believe to be true about themselves. Okay? Some of you, it, it may be like 2 in the morning, you wake up, go get a drink of water, use the restroom or something, and it hits you, okay? But I'm praying it hits you right now. Again, look at this. Your behavior will always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself. And sadly, most people look to their behavior to determine what they believe to be true about themselves, right? So what does this create? It creates a loop. You look to your behavior to see what is true about you. You believe based upon your behavior what's true about you and what does it do? It leads to more of that behavior, which leads to more of that belief, which leads to more of that behavior, which leads to more of that belief. What if you believe the Word of God? Do you see now, this is righteousness by faith. What if you believe that you were just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus Himself? What if you believe that you truly had been made innocent? Come on now, that you are as innocent as Jesus. Though your sins were scarlet, now they're white as snow. That you, in your inward man, could not be any more pure than you are pure right now. You are just as pure. You are just as holy. You are just as righteous. You are just as godly. You are just as separated from this world and its contaminants as Jesus himself. If your behavior lines up with what you believe to be true about yourself and you believe that to be true about you, guess what that's going to do to your behavior? It's going to bring your behavior into alignment with the righteousness that you've already received. But when we keep letting our behavior tell us what's true about us, and our 
and our behavior always lines up with what we believe to be true about us, it creates a cycle that has to and can only be broken by the Lord Himself. Amen? How about this? Do you believe you're strong? Come on now. Do you believe you're strong? Oh, Pastor Mark, I'm so weak. Pray for me, I'm so weak. Well, see, the Bible says, let the weak man say I'm strong. Because, see, we have access by faith to strength that this world doesn't know anything about. How about this one right here? Come on now. Do you believe you are mentally and emotionally sound? What is your belief that you're mentally and emotionally sound based upon? Well, I, mean, I could go on and on. The Bible says you've been given the mind of Christ. The Bible says you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Again, I'm talking about what's true about you as someone who's been born again, now alive in Christ Jesus. A whole bunch of you in this, in this room tonight, a whole bunch of you listening online, the world has put some kind of label on you. It's put some kind of disability on you some kind of diagnosis on you. And you believed it. My friend, please, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Mark, you, you're kind of being callous. You, you should be more sensitive to, to what people are going through. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a moment, okay? Amen. I'm not here to commiserate. Are you understand? There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm not here to, I'm not here to get in your misery with you and wallow around in it. With you and feel sorry for you. And I don't want you to do that for me. It's not what this is about. This is about coming together to understand what's been done for us, what's been given to us, what's been made available to us, what it is that we now have the opportunity to lay hold of by faith. Not a spirit of intimidation. Not an attitude of, of fear and anxiety. But power. Come on now. Love. Sound mind. Well, thank you, Jesus. Do you believe... You and your family are protected. Amen. What is your belief that you and your family are protected? What is that belief based upon? Amen. Not airbags, not alarm systems, not a pistol in your nightstand. Amen. Amen. Do you believe you're blessed tonight? Well, what's your belief that you're blessed based upon? Do not make the mistake many make of only believing and saying they're blessed when things are going well in their lives. Amen. See, that's a trick the devil plays on us. And, and so if things are really going well and everything's, you know, hunky-dory, whatever that means, and, you know, we talk about how blessed we are, then we start facing some challenges. We start dealing with some issues some resistance. And now all of a sudden, we, we, don't, we don't confess blessing. So notice what the devil's done. He's, he's weakened or diminished your faith in the blessing of God upon your life in a time when you 
need faith in that blessing the most. Amen. Amen. My belief that I'm blessed and my family's protected is not in my good works or that I've done enough good, now God owes me that. It's in my faith, in His Word, in His covenant with me. All right. We could go on there, but let me... I want to get to Ephesians 4, and we'll finish right here, okay? You still there, Ephesians 4 and 17? You get anything out of this tonight? All right. Verse 17, you ready? It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Okay? One translation says, in the vanity of their mind. If something is futile, it means it'll never produce the result you're looking for. Right? If, um, if there's a problem with your fuel pump in your car, you can replace the water pump a hundred times if it's not going to fix your car. It's futile. You're, you're, you're trying an answer that will not produce the desired outcome. This is what he's talking about here, futility or vanity. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk, live your daily life as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, to fully understand these verses, you've got to realize that this is written to born-again believers. This is written to men and women who've already received salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when he refers to a Gentile, he's talking about someone who is an outsider, someone who doesn't know God, someone who doesn't have a covenant with God. Now, he says that, let me keep reading, verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So I sometimes ask the different classes that I teach things like, can you be free and not know you're free? Can you, can you be blessed and not live like someone who's blessed? Can, can, can you be righteous and not live like a righteous man? The answer to all those questions is yes. Yes. Because again, Jesus has done a work at the deepest part of our being, the real you, the spirit man inside of you. But if we're still ignorant of what we've been given, hopefully somebody in here tonight came in here not knowing something that you're going to leave knowing. Right? Maybe you didn't realize that Jesus laid in the bed for you. You made quite a, quite a bed for yourself, and Jesus went and laid in it for you. Okay, see? Now notice, if you're ignorant of that, and you don't realize that's the case, that's going to affect the way you live your life. But if you receive tonight the understanding and wisdom that Jesus has made you innocent, okay, innocent, your innocence, your righteousness is not based upon how well you've behaved this week. It's based upon how well Jesus behaved while he was here, Okay? And so when we embrace that by faith, see, but now he's talking to the believers in Ephesus and he says you're, you're living like people who have no covenant in, in the futility of their, of their mind. In other words, their, their thinking was off because their understanding was darkened and then alienated from the life of God. He's saying you're separated from the, the blessing. You're separated from... The, the, the rights, privileges, and benefits of someone that, um, that belong to someone who has 
been made one with God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Okay? Now, let's keep going here. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness uh, with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. I love what Bill Johnson says about these verses. He says that Jesus is perfect theology, theology being the study of God. If you want to know who and what God is, who He is and what He's really like, study the life of Jesus. And so he says, you've not so learned Christ. Indeed, you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, here we go. Are you ready? Verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay? So we've got the old man and the new man. Okay? You've got the man that you were before Jesus saved you, and you got the man you became after he saved you. So he's saying to the believers at Ephesus and to the believers at Heritage, amen, he's saying to us tonight that you're living like outsiders and you're not outsiders. You're living like people who are still cursed and you're not still cursed. You're living like people who are guilty and you're no longer guilty. You're living like people who have not been blessed and you've been blessed. You're, 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 you're thinking, you're, and he says you're living that way because you're thinking that way. Are you seeing this? Man, this is so important. You're living that way because you're thinking that way. So he's saying that it's time to put off the old man. It would be like me taking off this jacket. Okay, Put off the old man. What did Galatians 3 say? I'm losing some of you. Come on back. We're, we're, we're winding down here. We're, we're landing the plane. I mean, we are, we are, we are I mean, it's, it's already like the captain would say, buckle your seat belts. We're approaching the Birmingham International Air, Shuttlesworth Airport, whatever, okay? We're, we're almost there, but stay with me for a few more minutes now, please, okay? Nothing I could say about a scripture is more important than the scripture itself. So sometimes, you know, you read six or eight verses and everybody kind of zones out until he starts talking again. No, 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 please don't do that, okay? Or they, you know, wait till the preacher tells another joke to tune back in. Or what? No, 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 come on, stay with me, stay with me, all right? So he's saying it's time to put off the old man and put on the new. Now, among other things, listen to me now, among other things, that old man is cursed and that new man is blessed. Okay. So he's saying that it's time to put off the old man who was cursed because he was guilty and put on the new man who is blessed because he's innocent. Are you seeing this? Okay. All right. So how do we practically do that? How do we effectively do that? Well, he told us right here. You put off the old and put on the new. 
by being renewed, verse 23, in the spirit of your mind. Remember, why did the Ephesian believers still live like folks who were on the outside when they were no longer on the outside looking in? They were on the inside, but they were living like people who were on the outside because of their thinking. Because of the vanity or the futility of their own minds. Now, we've covered a lot of ground tonight. What I want you to take with you is that these are not just things to make for an interesting sermon on a Sunday night, last Sunday night of 2019. But for you to begin to see yourself in light of these truths. For you to begin to see yourself. You see, the next time the devil tries to push something from the curse side over on you on the blessing side, and that thought comes to your mind, well, I had that coming. Well, I sowed those wild oats. Well, you know, I made this bed. No, no, see, that's, that's the enemy trying to deceive you into accepting something that Jesus has already bore for you. Now, let's get real about this, all right? Some of us really abused our bodies living in a life of sin. And so now, you know, the, the, you know we think, well, you know... I, I got these aches and pains, you know, I've been road hard, you know, what do they say, road hard and put up wet or whatever and all this stuff. No, 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 see again. Uh-uh, uh-uh. That's futile thinking right there. Anybody in here like to hurt? Anybody in here enjoy arthritis? Anybody in here enjoy migraine headaches? Anybody? See again, wait, no. Did we abuse our bodies? Yes. Did Jesus allow His body to be abused for us? Yes. See, the devil will have you trying to pay for something that Jesus has already paid for. He'll, he'll have you trying to, you know, reap a harvest that Jesus has already taken upon Himself. He'll have you trying to pay a debt that's already been paid. So, in a practical, effective way, when, when these things come, this is when we need to remind ourselves, hold on a second, this is, this is not a blessing, it's not a blessing in disguise, this is a curse. And Jesus came under the curse for me, becoming a curse, lifted that curse off of me and carried it away. I'm not going to sign for this package, I'm not going to receive this, this is not mine. See how this works, right? You know what would make this night a real win is if every person in this room walked out of here believing that you're righteous, believing that you're innocent. Not because of anything you've done, but because of a gift that you've, you've been given. Amen. And you woke up in the morning. And maybe you're not going to feel saved in the morning, but it don't matter because feelings don't have anything to do with it. 
and, and you believe, right? You believe that you're righteous. Guess what's going to happen? Your behavior is going to line up. You're going to start living like a righteous man if you believe you are. Had a conversation with a husband and wife. Husband graduated from the foundry a few years ago, and they're doing well. And they've been facing some challenges, and so they called over the holidays. We had a great conversation. And, and um, towards the end of the conversation, the wife said something to this effect. She says, well, you know, there's, um, we've got those two recovering addicts we've got to deal with. She was referring to her and her husband. And I said, uh, I'm sorry, who are you talking about? She said, well, you know, I mean, this, I'm sorry. I, said, I mean, I have this kind of relationship with them. Right? I said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. Who, who are the recovering addicts? Who, who are you talking about? And she started laughing. She said, well, and she said her husband's name. He, he, he tells me all the time that you taught him that. I said, well, again, thank God that he learned it, but amen. See, the devil never wants you to understand who you are in Christ. The phrase, just an old sinner saved by grace, come from the pits of hell itself. It may have been quoted by a thousand preachers a hundred thousand times, but that is not in the Bible. But notice, think about that right there. It's, it's, it leaves you in limbo. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No such thing. If you've been saved by grace, my friend, you are not a sinner anymore. Not who you are. Not who you are. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace. And I have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See the difference there? See the difference there? Not leaving anybody hanging. Jesus didn't leave us hanging. Don't leave him hanging. Amen. Amen. All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Well, just tell a few people around you right quick before we pray. Hey, I'm, I just want you to know I'm innocent. Come on, just tell them. Look them in the eye. I'm innocent. Tell them, tell them Jesus took what you had coming. Tell them Jesus took what I had coming. Tell them, come on now, confess it. Let the redeemed say so. Jesus took what I had coming. Amen. 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 <laughs> he laid in my bed for me. Yes, sir. Thank you, Father.
All right, one last thing. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm, I've never received this salvation you're talking about. I want in on this and I want in on it now. Anybody? Never been born again, but tonight's my night. Anybody? Anybody? I know you're praising Jesus, brother. I know you're born again now. Amen. Anybody? Yes, sir. It will kind of make you want to get saved all over again, won't it, right? Amen. All right, let me bless you. Father, thank you tonight for these beautiful men and women. Father, it's a thousand and one places they could have been tonight, but they chose the better things, Father. And Jesus, I want to quote you on this. They chose what cannot be taken away from them. And devil, you will not steal this word, but it has been imparted tonight by the Holy Spirit. And it's life-changing because it's mind-altering. Father, I thank you that we're all going to see ourselves in a brighter, if not different light, leaving this room than we saw ourselves coming in. Father, I thank you that we're healed and we're blessed and we're free and we're strong and we're sound and we're protected. Not because we deserve it based upon our performance, but because Jesus has made us innocent. And Father, an innocent man doesn't deserve to be punished. An innocent man doesn't deserve to be cursed. An innocent man deserves to be blessed. So Father, by faith you've made us innocent, and by faith we lay hold now of the blessing of Abraham that has come upon us. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming a curse, becoming my curse, laying in my bed, going to hell for me so that I could spend eternity with you in heaven. Father, I bless these men and women now, and I thank you that as we go fearlessly and boldly into 2020, that we are looking for clarity, Father. Clear vision in 2020. Clarity of heart, clarity of mind, clarity of purpose. Father, that the path you have laid out before us would become brighter and clearer and more obvious than it's ever been. Father, that we would commit ourselves to laying hold of what Jesus has put within reach for us now that was previously beyond our grasp. And Father, that we would grow in faith this year. Father, that we would become men and women of, of great, strong, enduring faith, Father. Levels of faith, levels of operating and living by faith, Father, that, that we have previously not known. And so, Father, I thank you that 
we receive protection now. By faith, we, we receive protection for our loved ones, for our families. Father, I thank you that none of our families, no, none of us and, and, and none of our loved ones, Father, will, will, will ever in, in these people, deranged people, motivated by the devil, go in and shooting up restaurants and churches and, and shopping centers, Father, I thank you that it, we're protected from all of that, Father. Protected from all of that. You said in Psalm 91 that a thousand fall on one side of us and ten thousand on the other, but it won't come near us. That the plagues, diseases, these things, Father, they, Lord, that you'll, you'll protect us from those things. We exercise our faith in your covenant of protection over our property, over our vehicles, over our, over, um, Things like motorcycles and, and boats and recreational vehicles and all of this, Father. I thank you, Lord. It's covered. It's protected. And we're protected while we enjoy these things. Father, show us when we're in fear and worry. Help us see, Lord, that those things are a strategic attack from the enemy to try to produce cause to attract and conduct the curse. Jesus, you said, do not let your heart be troubled. And so, Father, I thank you with the Holy Spirit's help and with the Word of God operating, living and powerfully in our lives, that that. 2020, Lord, we will not let our hearts be troubled. We refuse to allow it for one second. Casting all of our care upon you, knowing that you care for us. So, Father, I thank you that as we go our separate ways, that we're going to let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen and amen. Happy New Year to all of you. We love you. Hey, I didn't announce it, but next Sunday morning we'll be enjoying communion together, so that's always a special time here at Heritage.